You're listening to Sobriety with Ari Eastman. Hey, that's me. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Sobriety with Ari Eastman, a podcast where we are discussing recovery, mental health, drinking, pop culture, whatever I decide to think of and frantically write down in um, a Google Doc. That, that, that's, that's what these episodes are. Hey, how, how's it going? I hope you've been having a, a good time. I am very tired. I did not sleep well last night. I can fall asleep okay these days, but I wake up minimum two times every single night. It's, it's the worst. I'll wake up at like one, then I wake up at four. Um, I, I'm convinced that I just like am never fully rested and that's why I'm fatigued all the time. It's a pain in the ass to wake up so often and I also just drink too much water before I go to bed so I'm like an old man getting up and peeing constantly. And one time I told my doctor, I was like, is it normal that I feel like I pee three times at night? And she's like, um, not really, but we didn't really explore that any further. So I'll bring that up at my next physical. But last night I woke up at three and my heart was pounding and this is something that happened to me all the time as a kid. It hasn't happened too much as an adult, but I woke up. I, I don't know if I had a stressful dream or what was happening, but I woke up and I just was sitting in bed and I just had this feeling of like impending doom. I was like, I know something bad is going to happen. There's going to be an earthquake. Someone's going to break in. Someone I love is going to die. It's this all-consuming feeling of just being like, I don't know how I know, but I know something bad is going to happen. And it's, I, I have no control. And I just sat there for like an hour feeling really stressed out. Sometimes I forget. It's like, that's what anxiety is. That's what generalized anxiety disorder is. And, you know, I was diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder when I was 15-ish. As I've gotten older, it's definitely lessened. And I think I kind of veer almost a little more to the depressive side than the anxious side. But it just reminded me of like, oh, yeah, sometimes anxiety just pops up for no real reason. It feels like a reason. Anxiety does exist for um, like a biological purpose, right? Like there are reasons you should feel anxious. If you were running around and there was a lion about to, you know, hunt you, you'd feel anxious about that. And that's a survival tactic. Like that's a survival. That's a way your body's like, yeah, don't, don't let your guard down. Be anxious. We're trying to keep you from getting eaten by the lion. But anxiety also can appear when there really is no reason for it or the, the feeling doesn't match the circumstance. And that's when it becomes detrimental to your life, to your mental health. That's when it becomes something that is beyond just being stressed out because you have a deadline at work. There's a lot of talk about anxiety and what that looks like and what that means. And, you know, I feel like people are like, oh, this, you know, millennials and Gen Z and everyone, they're just, everyone has anxiety. It's like, well, yeah. Have you looked around? How can you not be anxious? How can you not have anxiety when we're constantly being inundated with horrific stories from all over the world? It's like, you know, with with social media and the way news is shared these days, it's like it's good because we're really aware of everything that's happening. But also, I don't know if biologically we are meant to know every single thing that is happening. It's almost like our brains can't handle it. Of course, we're going to all be anxious. I was an incredible incredibly anxious child like I just I do not remember a time I was relaxed or chill I am incredibly zen now in comparison and I am not a zen person I had such bad insomnia um I would lie in bed awake at night and I, I remember this from like six years of age and I would just think I'm gonna die tonight like it's super dark but I would just sit there and be like I know I'm gonna die I know the roof is gonna cave in 
I'm, I'm not going to wake up. Something bad is going to happen. And it's that feeling that I had actually last night. But I had that constantly as a kid where I, I would just be like, I know it. I know it. And nobody can tell me otherwise. I know that tonight I will die. And it's like, yeah, each morning I'd wake up and guess what? That anxious feeling in your gut was wrong. But uh, when you have that feeling, you are convinced every single time. Even though you have anecdotal evidence like, oh, last time I felt this way, I was fine. It was just anxiety. I woke up the next day. But then that feeling comes and you're like, no, but this time it's different. This time I'm telling you I'm not going to wake up. I really did not have a reason to be as anxious as I was besides the fact that just like that's how my brain was firing. I had a very privileged upbringing. I had a great relationship with both my mom and my dad. They were super involved in my life. My dad was a professor, so we had similar school work schedules. So he'd drive me to school in the morning. He'd pick me up, you know, after school. I grew up actually in literally one of the safest suburbs in the state of California. Like it literally was named California's safest city in in 2021. Very idyllic, very quaint, very white picket fence. No reason to feel unsafe in my body all the time. And I actually would also feel guilty about being so anxious because I would be like, my life is so good. I have it so good. Why do I feel like this? I don't have a right to feel this way. I didn't have traumatic events happened to me. I had such a good life and I would just be like, why do I feel like I'm going to die all the time? And that's on anxiety. That's on generalized anxiety disorder. I was the child and the teenager that had the mindset that if something bad could happen, it will happen and it's going to happen to me. I was never someone who was like, oh, you're going to jump off a bridge just because your friends do? Nope. Definitely not. Why would I jump off a bridge? I don't even like driving over bridges. Here are some phobias I had as a child. Number one, people driving a car too fast. I preferred my mom or dad driving or or my best friend Brianna, her mom would drive us places. I felt very safe with her as well. But any other time parents offered to drive me around, I hated it. One time I had a sleepover in elementary school at this girl Nicole's house. She lived in the gated, very rich neighborhood in my town and her mom and stepdad were this very real housewives type couple. Stepdad definitely was having his midlife crisis, you know, buying sports cars and sleepovers already made me anxious. I tended to have what we would call almost sleepovers where I would go to someone's house and stay until like 10 p.m. and then my mom would pick me up because sleeping anywhere other than my bed also gave me a lot of anxiety. But this one time I did have a sleepover. In the morning, I'm I'm hoping that my mom is going to come and pick me up. But the stepdad was like, you know what? I'll take her home. I- I'm actually going that direction. I'll take her home. No worries. I sat in his zippy little convertible. And I don't know if he thought he was showing off for me or that I would think it was fun, that I was a normal child. Well, he was wrong because I was not. And there was a super windy road that we had to take to get from that gated neighborhood over to where I lived. So he has the top down and We are zooming. We are zooming all around. And I am praying. I am gripping the armrest. I am praying. And I don't believe in God. My stomach is clenched the whole time. I'm looking at the speedometer being like, Steve, please, I'm begging you. Slow down. I'm begging you to take those turns at the suggested speed limit, please. I really was like, this is how I'm going to die. I'm going to die in a car accident with some random 50-year-old man who seems like he regularly cheats on his wife. This is not how I signed up to go. Against all odds, we did safely arrive at my house and I go inside and my mom is like, you are ghostly white. I was like, well, yes, 
I just narrowly escaped death. And uh, because of that, I literally never asked to go to Nicole's house again because I lived in fear that her stepdad would drive me somewhere. No, Tracy Chapman, I do not want a fast car. Another very serious fear I had, I was afraid of movie theaters because I was so sure that we would go to the movies, we would sit down to watch, I don't know, some Disney movie, some kids movie, and that they would play the wrong movie and it would be a really scary horror movie. My friend Katie, it was like, I think her ninth birthday, we went to see The Emperor's New Groove, so whenever that came out, and I had this like ritual where I would put my jacket over my head and I would plug my ears, and I would do that through all the trailers, and it wasn't until the movie started playing and the title card of the movie came up and someone would be like, Ari, we know that it's The Emperor's New Groove. It says it on the screen. Only then would I remove my jacket and unplug my ears and sit and enjoy the movie. Now you're probably thinking that's a really weird specific fear, and yes it is, but guess what? It <laughs> ended up happening. So this fear already, I already had this weird fear, and my dad and I went to go see The Kid with Bruce Willis. I'm sorry, I just had to take a break because I swallowed water. And as I swallowed it, it went down my windpipe. And I have to say, <laughs> it is an evolutionary flaw that there is a tiny little flap between where we we swallow liquids and how we breathe. What the hell? I think I can continue. I think I can go on. Sorry, my my voice is, I'm like, you know, waterlogged now, but I will do my best to continue for you, the fans. As I was saying before, I was so rudely interrupted by almost dying. So my dad and I are in the theaters to watch Bruce Willis's The Kid. I think it's like, 2000 the year 2000 you know we went to the year 2000 not much has changed except i saw the, the kid with bruce willis so i do my ritual put my jacket on my head plug my ears but every now and then i would peek my head out take a look see what the trailers were doing and there was one that was like really dark really ominous don't remember what was happening but just seemed not appropriate for the previews of a kid's movie i'm looking at my dad and he's seeming a little worried a little anxious and even the people around me, they're starting to kind of look around and it's like, what's happening? Something, something's wrong. Something's, something, something is not right. Then the movie starts and it's not the kid with Bruce Willis. No, it's a horror movie. The lights quickly come back on in the theater. The, the movie is cut and everyone's like, you know, someone on the loudspeaker or, or is like, oh, come, come to the lobby or you'll get a free voucher. Sorry for the mix up. And we go out and they're like, your movie will be free now. Sorry about that. And then they usher us into the correct theater that's playing the kid. I'm sitting there and I'm like, I knew it. Everyone says I have irrational fears. I spend all this time thinking about things that are never going to happen. And I have proof that it happens. Blessings upon my my mom and my late father because it must not be easy having an anxious kid and a kid who just is afraid of everything and everything you do, you're just like trying to calm your child and then hear this weird irrational fear I have. It actually literally happened and they're like, okay, but you still not everything you're afraid of is going to happen. I know it did this time, but... As silly as that fear sounds, having it actualized sort of validated other fears, and I would just spiral. I was afraid of driving over bridges. I was afraid of undercooked chicken. I was afraid of earthquakes, which honestly is a valid fear to have living in California. But there's a difference between being like, oh yeah, an earthquake would be scary, and being obsessed with it and thinking about it on a constant loop. And that's something I would also do where I would zero in on something like a natural disaster, 
like an earthquake. And then I would research it and research it and look at photos and look at videos and Google it. And it went beyond just like, oh, we got to make our emergency prepared kit. It's like any information I could get about it, I would read and I would look at everything. And it's this vicious cycle of anxiety. And it's like all you can think about. And it's, it's an obsession. I have always had a very sensitive stomach. Sometimes I say I have a Jewish stomach. And if you're Jewish, you know what I mean. Uh, stomach aches. So many stomach aches. In high school, it was really bad. I had acid reflux that was very severe. Like sometimes I felt as if I couldn't swallow and I would get really nauseous. So, you know, I had a bunch of tests run to rule things out, make sure it wasn't other stuff. And the conclusion was essentially I had generalized anxiety disorder and acid reflux. Gut issues and anxiety issues are very, very, very linked. They're very tied together and you tend to see both of them. I started my first anti-anxiety slash antidepressant um, when I was a freshman in high school. My dad was a psychology professor and my mom studied human development and aging and cognition. So I had very proactive, very in touch with mental health type parents. But of course, they were apprehensive, you know, about me being so young and, and starting on a medication. But it was interfering with my life. My anxiety was not only affecting my mental health, but it was affecting my physical health. I am obviously not a doctor. I am not a mental health professional. You should never listen to me about anything. Everything I am saying is based on my experience. But as far as, as we have come with certain stigmas surrounding mental health, I still see a lot of apprehension around medication. I get it. There is the issue sometimes of over-medication. But honestly, in my experience and what I've seen Pediatricians especially, they're not trying to just dose your kid if they don't need it. Don't approach things willy-nilly. Certain medications have side effects. It's important to be aware and educated, and there are multiple approaches. I think therapy in conjunction with medication is great. But we don't shame someone with diabetes for needing insulin. You know, the big picture is this person needs insulin, their body can't make it, so they get store-bought insulin. The same thing applies for... Uh, for, for depression, you know, needing, you need some serotonin, store-bought serotonin is fine. I know that my life is infinitely better since I have been on medication. Not only is my anxiety much more under control, so is my depression. And the time that my mental health was really, really, really bad was when I was drinking heavily because I was canceling out what that medication was doing. I was just depleting my body of, of, of all those store-bought chemicals I was trying to give it, and I was making everything so much worse. It's, so, it's such a catch-22 because a lot of times anxiety or depression um, will be a catalyst for substance misuse. And then that substance misuse makes that depression and anxiety worse in the short term. All of a sudden, maybe you feel better, you feel numb, you feel happy, whatever the feeling is. But long term, you're making those things way worse. So it's it, it's hard. And it's it's almost like with anxiety and stomach issues that tend to go hand in hand. Well, substance abuse and mental health issues tend to go hand in hand. I feel like there is a lot more on this topic of anxiety, and I'm sure we will dive into another episode. Um, but for now, it's time for... It's something that made me happy this week. It's my pink cloud of sobriety. So one of the great gifts that 2020 gave me was 
UK, Love Island. Love Island, it's just chef's kiss. It's everything that The Bachelor wishes it could be. And I love The Bachelor. Don't get me wrong. Unfortunately, I am a part of Bachelor Nation, but Love Island, God, it's just, I just love trashy reality TV. Like, I don't care. I don't care what it says about me. Everyone in film school is like, oh, David Fincher, Kubrick. And I'm like, can we discuss the cinematography when new arrivals show up on the island? It's genius. It's art. I want to take a critical theory class in that. So at the start of lockdown, my roommate and I dove into Love Island for the first time. And Love Island has like 50 episodes per season. It's insane. It is wild. Uh, recently, we started watching another season. And uh, man, I sh- it's just so good. It's just so good. I mean, the bad news is that, that you know, whenever we watch it, I start I'll talking from like I'm from Essex. Apologies to anyone who is from Essex. I don't want to mug you off. Giza. Do you know what I mean? Do you know what I mean? My poor roommate. I get up in the morning. I'm like, oh, well, hello. Oh, bud. Living with me after we watch Love Island is just like having some horrible off-Broadway production of Oliver. Please, sir, can I have some more? You're being really muggy. Zero out of five stars for my accent, but five out of five stars for Love Island. It's great. If you like reality TV, if you watch The Bachelor and you have not checked it out, I, I highly encourage it. That's it for this week's episode. I have an email. You can email me at sobrietypodcast at gmail.com. I have an Instagram handle at sobrietypod. Rate, review, subscribe. I don't know. What what, what else do the kids say? Mm, I think that's about it. Thank you so much for tuning in. I really do truly appreciate it. And uh, I'll catch you next week. Okay. Bye, everyone. (laughs) 